Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of today's Survival Show. Helping you do what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Welcome to a no tin foil hat type of survival self-reliance show. I don't go into all those wacky theories and stuff. I know, I know that turns a lot of people off. You know, I'm not saying that every prepping and survival uh, pro- program does that, but boy, there's a lot of them out there that do that. You ever notice that? It turns a lot of people off. I try to keep this rooted in common since. So, it's shortly after Christmas, uh, between Christmas and New Year's, at least that's when this is being published. Hope you, hopefully you guys had a Merry Christmas. I hope you did. I hope you had a good one. So, I want to wish all of you a Happy New Year. Uh, I didn't think that I'd actually be able to get this out, but, you know, it's it's great to have good listeners who also like to participate in the fun of putting out survival and prepping shows. You know, Mexican Joe and Super Dave, those guys have been so good over there at Northeast Texas Preppers putting, uh, you know, putting stuff out recently for me. And so I figured that what I would do is publish an episode that they just recently did where they talked to Amazon Prepper. Now, Amazon Prepper talks a lot about, you know, uh, surviving hurricanes, especially in Katrina. She survived Katrina. So Mexican Joe decided to interview her and... You know, I don't know where you live. You, people, people from all over the world are listening to this show. Hurricanes, definitely something that almost all of us think about. I mean, who doesn't think about prepping for a hurricane? Who doesn't? I mean, if you live in the desert, okay, you don't think about it. If you live out in Montana, Colorado, out in the mountains, you don't think about it. You live anywhere near a coastal area, you should be thinking about prepping making yourself more self-reliant when it comes to a hurricane. So, without wasting any other time, I am going to go ahead and turn on the interview Mexican Joe from the Northeast Texas Prepper Group interviews Amazon Prepper. Okay, Mexican Joe back again uh, with Northeast Texas Preppers, here to help Bob out with another podcast. Uh, I'm here, uh, we tried this interview once before, but we had a few problems with Skype. And just bad connections. So I am here with uh, Amazon Prepper. We are in uh, the mobile bug out home uh, in the secret location, unknowns to anybody. So we're here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of things. Um, Amazon's got some pretty cool things about. She used to live down in the Houston area, and uh, so she's got some real extensive uh, background in Katrina and the hurricanes and. How everybody dealt with it down there. So, Amazon Prepper, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Okay, good. So, give us a little background um, on your prepping, how you became a prepper, how did you kind of fall into it, that kind of thing. I mean, how, how did you become a prepper? You know, what's your feel on it? Um, I just, I started in the late 90s. Doing different things, just like food storage, water. Um, so, homesteading, or just, or just? No, it was prepping. It wasn't homesteading at all. It was. When so I, you were way pre Y two K. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, we've got a couple other friends of ours that are like that. Okay. Um, so tell us, tell us kind of some of the things you know. We, we you and me have talked about this a little bit. We were talking the other day, we were over here talking with Super Dave, and we were talking about how the government, you know, says that we'll be there for you and all this, and, and the sheeple were, you know, say that, you know, well, the government will be there when it happens, and then Katrina 
really was the first real catastrophe that I think the entire nation saw, where they saw how long it took. But, even from what we saw, I want to say that from what I remember, you know, and I'm old, so I don't remember it all that well, that Katrina was a couple of, two to three days before they got there. You're actually saying from being there, it was longer than that. Right. It was, yeah, it was a lot longer than a day or two. Okay. So, so what did you see being that, I mean, not just Katrina, but you've been through multiple hurricanes down there. And what did you do to prep and to deal with that? And you, you had told me that you didn't actually go into the FEMA areas to deal with them and why. Yeah, no, we um, we didn't go to FEMA. We didn't use Red Cross or any of the other places. They they deploy people out to the different locations within two or three days. Yes, but those people, the only supplies that they have with them is a couple cases of water and a bunch of paperwork. Um, it's a week before you start getting the teams bringing your food and supplies in and it's one meal a day that's it you get one meal um they set up a schedule where you can go every other day to fill up some place for water so so what you're saying is that the, the first in, in the two to three days when we were hearing that fema was there those are advanced party people right, right. and they were doing the paperwork yeah they were paperwork people they weren't you could get some water, and but you know you could get medical treatment. But you were getting set. You were getting your set up now. Now, me and me and uh, Amazon here. We were talking earlier, and she hasn't read uh, Glenn Tate's books, Two Hundred Ninety Nine Days. But for those of Bob's listeners that have read Two Hundred Ninety Days, or, in, or or like me, are in the middle of the series, they were getting their F card paperwork. Because in Glenn Tate's books, you'll learn about F cards. Um, but so yeah, so you're getting, okay. So go ahead. Let me. I didn't want to interrupt, but I want to throw that in there. That that really sounded off to me. So the the advance party comes in. You get your paperwork done. They give you a little bit of water. Right. But then it's still. You're at you, that point. You're at the mercy of like any churches around to provide some food or shelter. You know, they pull out the cots and the blankets. Um, it's about a week. It's close to a week before people start coming in with food and water, um, you know, toiletries, things like that. And then they start a schedule where you do have to show a card to get your ration, you know, so that you're not, people aren't just going from the FEMA truck to the Red Cross to the Salvation Army to get, you know, food from every place. And then you start getting on a schedule to go and pick up water. I know with Ike and Katrina, we didn't have electricity. Um, well, with Katrina, it was almost a month before we got electricity back. With Ike, it was two weeks. Okay. So, what did you do for power? I had a generator, and we had quite a few candles and oil lanterns stocked up. Okay. So, how much, you had a generator, um, it's a pretty good sized generator, uh, I've seen it, um, how much fuel do you think you had before the, before it happened? How many gas cans, gallons, ba you know, ballpark? 
um, I think we had about 50, 50 gallons and all. That's it. Okay, and that's, and that's, that's, to me, that's a pretty good store for somebody just moving right. along. I mean, gas is, right. is, 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 you know, one of those things that's hard for us preppers to store. Okay, how long did the gas last you? Well, we didn't use the generator that much. Because you pick and choose what you used it for? Right. Right. I mean, the generator was enough to keep the refrigerator going. Um, I used the solar oven for cooking. We used the barbecue grill. I mean, we dumped everything out of the freezer and ended up going to the park and cooking all our meat and giving people plates. But we didn't run the air conditioner. You don't need an air conditioner. You know, you have to, we ran it like at night to run some fans. Right. Well, you you like an air conditioner, but it's not required. That's it's not required. But and you want to but you want to use it for for your food to preserve your food because your food is required. Right. Well, food and I didn't want to go through all the fuel that we had because I didn't know how long we would be without electricity. Because you can call every day and every day they're going to tell you, oh, we're working on it. And they were. So, they yeah, were working yeah. on it, but you didn't know, and I didn't want to go through all our fuel. And Okay, so how much propane do you think you had? Because you said we're around about 50 gallons of gasoline for the generator. Right. Ballpark, what kind of propane did you have at the time? No, we didn't have propane. We used charcoal wood. Oh, for the barbecue. Right, and then okay. I used our solar oven. Okay, okay. Okay, so the solar oven, I'm sure, was pretty efficient. Yeah, it was great. And you have charcoal and wood, so that works. And I know when I barbecue, I like to use a little oak. On the front and the back, and use charcoal in the middle. It gives my food a nice taste, and it also gives me more fire. Um, okay, so just on the on the one aspect, we're going to visit this real quickly if we can. Um, on the fuel aspect, when you said Katrina lasted longer, yes. So Katrina. We'll, we'll we'll kind of focus on Katrina a little bit, or on Ike if you want to jump in there if it was if it was different. Um, how much gasoline did you have left over at the end? And then how much charcoal wood did you have at the end? So from beginning to end, how much did you start with versus how much when it was over and the power came back on and everything got normalized, what what did you have left? Well, I know with Katrina, I still had um, five five-gallon cans of fuel left, and I still had some left in my big fuel tank. That I used to use to fill the tractor. Okay, diesel tractor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um. Um, charcoal and wood. So you had you had five gallons of gasoline roughly, and about five out of fifty five, gallons. No, five five gallon. Oh, five five, five gallons. Okay, so you had twenty five yeah. gallons. So you only used yeah. half your fuel. You're right. Okay, so you really rationed your fuel. I mean, I'm we, guessing. We use you know candles at night and the oil lantern, so that wasn't a big. A big deal. And we didn't plug in everything. Right. Just what you actually absolutely had to have to keep yourself safe and comfortable. I mean, it, it was more like a giant, long, extended camping trip. Board games, cards. Right. Color. Right, and that's that's something that we've come up with as, as you and me have been sitting around talking about stuff. Is that, you know, make sure you have the board games. We're now starting to put... Uh, uh, packs of cards in buckets and stuff. So we're working on that stuff. Um, okay, and and was Ike pretty much the same? Um, Ike was, it was a lot of the same with 
Katrina, we lost water because the water was contaminated. Okay. So that that was the difference there. Um, but with Ike, it seemed like with Ike there was more of a panic than with Katrina. With Katrina, the main problem was all of a sudden you had you know you have your small community and then it was it was overrun. Why? Who? People that don't live there. Oh, oh! So you have the you have the zombies. You had the have-nots come in to see what the haves had. Yes. Well, fifty-nine um, ran probably ten miles away from the community that I lived in at the time, and it was gridlocked. People, you, they weren't moving. Um, so they would break down, run out of gas, be stuck there. So. It just, it looked like there was trash everywhere, and then people's cars would break, and they weren't moving, so they'd get out, and they'd make their way over here to town, and... Okay, for those, just, and for those of you who don't know the, the Texas roads, from Houston, 59 pretty much heads due north out of Houston. It is a main hurricane escape route. Um, they've got some of those over in Louisiana. They've actually got hurricane escape route signs up. And it pretty much heads all the way up into where you know where I am, up in northeast Texas. And you get up into Lufkin, uh, more. I mean, you can get up to north northeast Texas, and it's 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 uh, Atlanta and up in there and Marshall. Uh, but it's it's an avenue out. But that I've heard a lot of stories about people breaking down yeah. because they weren't prepared or they waited till the last minute. Right, and then they weren't moving. I mean, there there was no place to go. They there was no north and southbound lanes. It was all northbound. It was all northbound, and it was all gridlocked. There was there was no place to go. I mean, they closed down everything. There were no no jobs were open anymore. You didn't have to go to work because you couldn't get to work, and so they so people took off took took off north up fifty nine late started break yeah late and that's the big thing and Bob has mentioned that on many podcasts because um, you got to get out you know when they tell you to get out or get out early if you can because the two or three days of pay that you'll lose is not is a hell of a lot less yeah. than trying to drag your kids you know through that well, so be, yeah and be stuck who wants to be stuck? stuck in a vehicle or with all these other people right and have no backup plan so then all of a sudden you in your community because you were kind of north houston all of a sudden you start getting the we me and super dave call them zombies because the people coming to suck your life out of you right um so they start coming and and, and you know and, I, and i've seen the neighborhood you lived in and it's a nice you know it's a nice neighborhood it's it's Everybody's got a couple of acres. You can see the houses next to you. It's kind of nice. So then they're all coming up there. Now, what happened there? Uh, there were just people literally coming from 59. And you would just see them walking down the road, trash. They'd come up. They'd knock on your door. You know, do you have a phone I can use? Or can I charge my phone? Or, you know, is there any place around here to get some food, some water? Well, at that point, we had already gone down and... You know, everything that was in our freezer, we knew we couldn't eat it all. And it, we didn't want it to go bad, so we cooked it. You know, we handed it out the park. But by the time people, you know, they were getting tired of waiting in the line for assistance with FEMA. So then they're going and asking other people, 
just you know you just have to shut it down shut down the people coming to you yeah yeah see and what's sad there and what's actually kind of scary is is that once you once they are in your neighborhood and this again goes back to I guess it's the truth and reality of what, you know, Glenn Tate mentioned in his books, is they hit your neighborhood and they're looking for stuff. Okay, the problem is now you're you're kind of locked in. Right. In, in, in Katrina's situation, Anna and Ike, you weren't going anywhere and you knew you weren't going anywhere. Right. So you're stagnant in your, there is no bug out. No. At that point. Yeah, you're not leaving, so, but you've got these people at your front door knocking and asking. Right, but, you know, my response was, even with neighbors... And, you know, it might sound bad, but even with neighbors, it was, I'm sorry, you know, we don't have anything but just, you know, a few items for my family. That's it. I don't have anything I can share. Yeah, see, and that's hard because, I mean, I think long term, you know, if you get your neighbors doing something, garden, this and that or whatever, but, yeah, but once you, with your neighbors, when it's all over... You still have to live with your neighbors, so that's that's a right, that's a pretty big, big catch twenty two. You still have to live with your neighbors, but at the same time, you have to survive, and your family has to survive. You know, it's it's not it's not my fault that it's not your responsibility. That yeah, I mean, you sh- you knew you were in the path of a hurricane. You knew you should be prepared, and there was no way I'm going to sit there and go through all my buckets and. Everything, my rainwater and everything to feed some people that have never even said hi to me. That's right. That's not my job. Right, right. Well, and and it's a harsh reality. It is a harsh reality. I think that one of the hardest parts about that, um, and I I don't, maybe, maybe it has something to do with the, you know, where I'm at in the, in the Glenn Tate series is the kids. You know, a lot of people like, okay, we're going to hand out some little, you know, food and water to the kids, but it else you're kind of on your own. Well, but then I don't, I really don't feel bad anymore about situations like that. Because you had people going up to the FEMA line and getting food, then sending their kid to go get food, and then going over to the Red Cross station and to the Salvation Army station. You know, people were taking advantage of the situation. They were getting everything they could from every different realm. Right. And then they would sit there and pick and choose. You know, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't like this kind of bread or I don't like this. Yeah, well, FEMA's handing out out the stuff that's not as tasty. Right. You know, and Red Cross has got Cheetos. Yeah, so they're throwing stuff, you know, just throwing it down. And, oh, no, I don't like that brand. I don't like that color of shirt. Well, you don't have anything. Yeah. So it was more like they were using it as a shopping spree, and then you've got people that you've never seen before in the community that aren't even from Texas, and you're just kind of like, what are you doing here? Well, yeah, and yeah, you've got the outsiders, and I mean, I'm all about helping people, but at the same time, people need to be able to help themselves. But um, I, you know, I didn't want to let my neighbors or anyone else know that, you know, what we had. Yeah, see, and that's that's one of the differences there. We've discussed that a little bit. Is is that uh, you have always kind of been a closet prepper? Not that you're that you're not active and you're not doing things. And we've been networking for years, but you've always kept it secret where you're at. That you've got this many buckets. That you've got this. That you do it. Everybody else just thinks you guys are just kind of handy. 
with a farm and that kind of thing. So everybody thinks, oh, yeah, well, you know, she's just, you know, yeah, she's got a tractor and she's, you know, she's into the outdoors or blah, 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 blah. You know, and from the prepper standpoint, it was so you didn't put yourself off as being totally prepared and talking to people. You know, where me, with what I do, teaching preparedness and working with Bob and, and, and you know, and Dave and other people, um, you know, I'm a little more open on it. Right. No, that's true. I mean, and I I have let people in the past know that, you know, this is what I, I do and, you know, I can help you with this and help them. But at the same time, I didn't want to advertise it. At the, where you were at. With, right. With where, your stuff. Right. Because, you know, the way I looked at it is it was me and two kids and I didn't want to take a chance on Right. It. You know. Right. Okay. Okay. Um. So, so what else did you see? I mean, I think the biggest thing that you and me have kind of talked about this, and maybe we've glazed over it a little bit here, is that people think that FEMA, I mean, you got the city, the state, the federal government, is there to help you when this stuff happens. I mean, what, do you, what, what can you tell me there? It sounds like they're not, they're there, and they're going to try, but they've got all of their, bureaucratic steps they have to go through to sign you up, get you done, this and that. I mean, I've talked to Super Dave, and Super Dave is uh, kind of in a distribution unit that FEMA uses, and they grabbed a bunch of supplies from him and for his, from his area of expertise, and they shipped it halfway between northeast Texas, Longview area, halfway to Houston and stop the trucks and we'll let them go any farther. And then just drop trailers and then they would just ship a truck in every here and there. So they had they kinda had this choke point. No, yeah. And every and then they had to wait for the advanced party teams to go in and report what you know what was there and what they could do. Right. I mean I that's why I think it's so good to be prepared to take care of your family on your own. And have what you need because FEMA, the government, all they're going to do is give you the bare, the, they're going to give you the least amount of food and water they possibly can. It's not going to be a three time a day thing. And if you have kids, your kids are going to get hungry. You know, they're used to eating whenever they want. They're used to eating whenever, not, okay, you come, you stand in line and you get this. Mm-hmm. And, it was not an uncommon thing to see them, okay, we're out of water for today. You know, we're we're out of this supply. I mean, just things like hygiene. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. No one here has any more soap for today. You know, try back tomorrow. We should be getting a truck in. And it was that type of thing. And and that's, that's we should be getting a truck we, in. We should be. But, 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 but tomorrow when the truck comes in, it's got water. It doesn't have soap right, and all the other supplies. Right. And that was a common thing because, you know, the roads were so cluttered with cars that they were having a hard time getting in, too. And then you had down power lines, trees. You know, utility companies out doing their thing. It, and everybody's trying to do well, their thing. And, and what people don't realize is utility, like cell phone service towers, uh, utility companies, water companies... These people, police, the sheriff, 
they're the ones that get all the supplies they need first. Because and, the, and, and, and for those first for those, responders. and for those who don't understand that it, it sounds like it's harsh, and uh, another one is and this goes back to Glenn Tate's book, and I can I can I can verify this, is that the first responders, yes they're getting paid but initially they're getting paid, they get first dibs, not unfairly I don't think, but they get first dibs on the water and some of the food, but they also get to be able to. You know, put a little back for their families. Right. So that when at the end of the day, they can go back and feed their families. Their families don't have to go stand in line. Right. Because they're first responders and they're out there 12, 14, 18 hours a day. Right. And that, that's, that, to me, that's perfectly the way it should be. But, you know, that's the thing is that they get a truck in and they bring so much water and so much food, so many diapers. Okay, and there's one. Now, you mentioned soap. And, of course, food and water is just kind of a common one. But you mentioned soap. Um, you know, of course, during Katrina, whole houses were right. removed. So then you've got no clothes. And you mentioned right, clothes. they brought... They brought okay, but you got towels. you got hygiene stuff to, to at least to wash we, with. We didn't see towels. We didn't see towels. We saw feminine hygiene. Okay, feminine hygiene is very important. We saw soap, um, you know, little travel-sized toiletries, um, some toilet paper. There was not a bunch of toilet paper, which, you know, was kind of disturbing. But these are people who don't have a house right now because they broke down on the side of the road, so they're just doing their business anywhere. And, um, and, and when the, what's sad about that and what's kind of scary limited is... Limited baby supplies. They only had two kinds of formula. If your child wasn't on the cheap, just regular baby formula, that's it. There was no... So, so there was no Infamil. No, there was no Infamil, no, you know, expensive... Okay, and, and for people, you know, and I, I'm a father, and I've had little kids, and I know that if you move your child, I don't care what your baby's on, if you move them from Formula A to Formula D... It jacks your kid overnight, up overnight. Yeah. yeah, your kid's in pain, and you're dealing with that. So there's that. So that's something that we have talked about, and I've seen with you, you know, as we've been, you know, getting closer and, and working together, is is that you got in excess of a year's supply of formula. Yes. Yeah. I mean, everything you seem to do, you have you're in excess of a year of this and a year of that. You know, and, and you know, for for the listeners here, I mean, me and Amazon have been working on a bunch of stuff, and she does things different than I do. I I, I used to do my variety buckets, and I hit a certain number of buckets, and now I turn around and I moved over to, um, you know, buckets of this or you know of wheat or this or that. When you're actually, you're actually, for a while now, you've been into like. Hard white wheat, hard red wheat, you know, blah, blah, blah. But your entire buckets of this stuff. Right. So you're, you know, you're out there, you know, in excess of 100 buckets and moving. And something else I've noticed just in, in you know, as much as we've been dealing with stuff is that watching you, your average is three buckets a week. <sighs> you know, so I, I've just been, that's kind of been cracking me up because, you know, we get together and we do it together. So it's, it's three buckets a week as an average, plus it's like, oh, hey, look, you know, I was at Walmart and, you know, they had baby wipes and they were a dollar, you know, a bundle for a refill kit. You know, I bought five. Yeah. 
you know, coloring books. Oh, I found coloring books, fifty cents, fifty cents a piece. You know, I bought, I bought ten. You know, so that's, but, but now dealing with some of the stuff you've dealt with, I can see where that's coming into play. Is a lot of people toilet paper. Oh, got to buy it by the case. Oh my God! Yeah, rolls. yeah, yeah. The other day, the other day. I, I walked up and I'm like, uh, hey, uh, there's a big old box out here. And you were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. It's a big old box. And I brought you in a big old box that was sitting on the on your front porch. And yeah, and it was it was an entire case of toilet paper. 96 rolls. Yeah, 96 rolls. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now let's go put that away. So we went and put away 96 <laughs> rolls. I don't know if we've got it all put away yet. Apparently, we got to go buy some more totes and stuff. But... Yeah, you got to deal with your priorities, and everybody's got their different priorities. You got to figure out what's what's going on, um, what you need, what you think you need. There's a lot to do. There is. It's never ending, and there's always. I mean, you you will always think of more things that that you needed. I mean, I you know during the hurricanes, both of them, I realized I did not have anywhere near the amount of batteries mm-hmm. that. You know, I thought I would be, I thought I'd be okay with, but to keep children entertained, you want to make sure you have well, plenty batteries, of batteries, solar chargers. Now, right. I've got a couple of solar chargers that I've gone to, and eh, some work, some don't, but I feel test quite a bit of crap, you know, stuff. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Try to clean that up. Um, I, I do, I feel test quite a bit of stuff. I mean, Bob, Bob and Ben, uh, Bob's partner, his wingman. You know, they field test stuff. Me and me and Dave, we field test stuff, and we check stuff out. So, yeah, you've got you got to make sure you've got as many different realms of doing things, charging things. So that's important. Yeah, because if you have to rely on FEMA, the Red Cross, those places, you're going to get the bare necessities from them, and it's not a guarantee. They run out. You have to wait. Okay. And then you've got angry people. I so mean. let me ask you this. Let me, I mean, let's go back to that, to the FEMA and the whoever, the Red Cross, whatever. The lines that you saw, what was the typical wait, or what was the best or worst wait you saw for somebody going to get any kind of supply or support, I mean, other than after the the check in? Um, food was about an hour on a good day, hour, hour and a half on a good day. On a bad day, depending on which line you were going to, you were looking at three hours um, to go and get water every other day. You could fill up two five-gallon buckets. That was your limit. Which is heavy. Which is heavy, which nobody, people were doing, you know, one but, or two. But no, and now where did they get the buckets? They said that was your limit. People were bringing like the gallon. That was your and, limit. That was your but, limit. But you had to come up with the bucket. Right. That, yeah. So people were bringing a bunch of empty water bottles and one gallon water containers. So and then you got to look at that and go, how safe is all that? Right. And then this is every other day. That line, you would stay in in that line easily five hours, which that's kind of ridiculous. But you well, need water. You know, and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big water, you know, guy to, to think about my calculations. But I'm thinking, you know, you can drink a half a liter of water an hour, standing in line for five hours. Okay, that's two and a half liters of water. Okay, I don't know what that computes up to. And then you turn around, and you take, you know, this, this, these buckets of water. I'm like, okay, and for two days, 
Okay, I'm going to try. That's just toilet water. Right, that's toilet water. You know, maybe to if you have anything that you're trying to cook. You know, you but have not for two days. No, no, but you have to have water. Water is number have, one. You have to have a source of water. I mean, I was using the rainwater, and I didn't have to go wait in line. I mean, well, and see, with rainwater, I mean, that would, that there's a good point. Is some people say, well, you know, and depending on how you do it, if your if your rain catchment is good, and that's that's I, I love that. I love rain catchment, and that's awesome. And you're irrigating your property, and you know, for a couple of weeks, yeah, my plants can. Suck it up if I have an issue. But, you know, bottled water. You you have to have water. Right, right. But, I mean, even if you have just rainwater, people think that rainwater is not good for anything, especially if, like, you've got a shingled roof. Right. You know, you shouldn't drink that. It's got it's tar-based shingle roof. But you know what? It's fine to flush a toilet. Right. It's fine to flush a toilet, and it's fine to sit there and, you know, give your kids a little... A sponge bath. bath. Yeah, yeah, you know, a sponge that, bath. That's fine. Yeah. There's no problem with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the ingestion. Even to wash some dishes with. Right, right. You know, you just you're using you soap know, and you're cleaning you're or bleach. You're a little bit of bleach, and, and that was bleach and hand sanitizer. Gosh, those were two things I was glad that we had plenty of mm-hmm. because just without water and electricity, anytime you went anywhere, hygiene was not a uh, not something to play with. It was not a priority, and then you've got people you've got trash everywhere i mean it was you get out you start sanitizing you put gloves on well and the other thing was like you'd mentioned was you had people running up and down the road and they were coming a couple of miles away and you know this couple's got you know even two or three kids okay and they're using the outdoor facilities yeah okay and all of a sudden anything you get wet and get into is yeah yeah yeah, you know it can have some ick in it it was not yeah it was it was not good at all. So. Well, that's not good. <laughs> so. Okay. Well, um, what else you got? What else What else did you think you really pulled from that? Or derived from, you know, Ike and Katrina? Um, that sometimes it's better just to stay put where you're at. Yeah, and, and you know, I've I've been jacking with you for years now about Houston being the catcher's mitt of every hurricane that's ever come through. And you know, then you turn around and you know, bash me back. I'm like, I'm not in Houston. You know, I'm outside of Houston, and your area is not all that different from mine. But well, you know, I had a bug out location, but when it came down to it. It was much easier to stay in place, to stay put, and safer at that time because you've got so many people traveling in their gridlock. I mean, tempers were high. No one was in a good mood. It just it was easier to stay put where the majority of the supplies were and stay safe. Yeah, and coming to that, I mean that's 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 kind of one of the, one of the funny conversations that's come up before. Is everybody says bug out, bug out this, bug out that, bug out bag, and I've I've got a couple of different bug out bags, but my bug out bags are just travel bags, really. Right. I just call them bug out bags. That's what you call them. Um, but your bug out location was raw property. Right. You well, cleaned it up, and you know right. you've been working on it, but it was still property. Right. I mean, there well, wasn't but, all that much stored there. No, no, it wasn't. There wasn't much stored there. There was. You know, a water well. Right. 
water well and electricity that I never hooked up to anything. But you never had any. Le- but you didn't have electricity when the electricity went down. So yeah, so your well, that, that your well was have, out. Yeah, that wouldn't have mattered. I did have the hand crank put on my well because that was a priority. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I had thought about it whenever after Katrina. Okay, well, when Ike comes, maybe I should go ahead and load up a bunch of my buckets and supplies, and you know, just go there. But it, I honestly felt I would be safer with my kids staying put. Right, staying and put. I didn't have to worry about someone, you know, stumbling in, going, "Oh, look, no one's home. Let me go right. help myself to everything." To the here. other, to the other half of your supplies. Right. Yeah. And stealing whatever else they want right. and, and trashing your house. Right. So yeah, the bugging in, the bugging in. I understand that. I guess the biggest problem or the conflict I think people have, is they want to bug in in the path of the hurricane. Where right. you were not directly in the path. No. You were a little far. You were going to get the you were going to get the wrath of the storm, but not the front wave stuff to where you were going to lose your house kind of stuff. It's like right. up here. We've talked about that. Is up here in northeast Texas, we get we get all the rain. I mean, we get three, four inches a day. You know, we're down there. You're getting quite a bit more. Right. We don't get sea swell. We get wind, but not, it's already, you know, fizzled down from, right by the time it's got right, gone through. Right, it's you, knocked all our roofs off. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no shingles <laughs> up here. I mean, we may get a little bit of that. I mean, you know, we may get some tornadoes, but a tornado is a very small, intense. No, we get everything up there. <laughs> yeah. We used to get, yeah. That so, was, it, it, it's, it's a little different. I mean, if you're in, if you're in the path of a, of some kind of catastrophe, you have to prepare for it. And that's one of the things that's kind of been interesting, you know, with you and, you know, and, and networking with you over the last couple of years is that you just, you're in the closet about a bunch of this. Because, of course, you don't want everybody to know what you're doing. But then again, I've kind of been the only person to know where you are. Right, right. But at the same time, with the hurricanes... There, you know, there's different reasons people choose in any, like, natural disaster or inclement weather that they choose to stay put. And, you know, one of my main reasons for staying put was my child. Right. Right. Now, Katrina being, Katrina was worse than Ike for you, right? Yes. Okay. With Katrina... It was it was a lot worse. Okay, so for as far as your your residence where you guys stayed, what kind of damage did you guys get from Katrina versus Ike? With Katrina, there was a huge hole in the roof, um, trees downed. Okay, trees down. Now the hole in the roof. What was that from? That was from wind. Wind. The wind. Limb. Wind. Rain. Um, Okay, but you but you weren't like the people in Houston, South Houston, down towards the coast where they lost the whole house. No, no, we had we had a bunch of flooding around you or at your place. No, at our place. Okay, at our place. So was there like, was no road anymore. Okay. Yeah. So there was that much rain. There was that much rain, that much wind. Okay. So you know that goes back to it's one more reason to get out. Right. If they right. say get out, get out. You know, again, at the same point, I mean, when we've been, and again, we've been talking about this for years, is that, you know, you, you're, you and me talking has been part of your bug out plan, and we've discussed this, you know, that get, you know, 
about getting up here and doing some of this stuff. So, um, this is kind of interesting. Um, okay, we took a little pause there real quick. Uh, we have some radio traffic coming in, uh, people checking in. It's kind of entertaining for us. Um, I don't remember where we were. Uh, so, what really cracks me up, you know, just in, in conversation, is that, you know, even that far off the main road, off 59, you had people coming up to your house and, and asking for this and for that, you know, asking for supplies. Yes. That could have gotten very ugly. Yes, it could have. But it didn't. So you, you were blessed there. Um, or they were blessed. Yeah, depending on how you want to look at it. So, um, what, what else you come up with on, on some of this stuff? What else What else you think is important for people to understand or know? Um, that you can't count on someone else to take care of you. Yeah, I think we kind of yeah kinda yeah you, you can't count on the government to take care of you. Um, and it's not it's not for the lack of gov- the government's no, fault. No, no, it's think just it's the lack of I it's think the, the lack is, of people that have been prepared and they're overwhelmed. Those you know when you the FEMA workers, all of them, they're overwhelmed. I mean, because they're getting you've got people going up there that are just slamming them and. They're irate and they're wanting this and that. And when you don't have it, you don't have it. See, there's one for people who don't understand stuff. Is that I've, I've I do a lot of training on stuff, and one of the ones I do is is that when when you go in to be a an advanced party for for a disaster, is you go in and you you plan to set up. The first thing you have to do is you have to be able to self-sustain yourself for three days and set up a base. And then when you have a base, whether it be a government organization or, or a private organization, you have to set up a base and that's your advance party and you get everybody to start filling out paperwork, set up at a church, whatever you're going to do. Right. And then you turn around and then you call in, okay, I'm set in place, send my supplies here. Well, this could be another day or two before the supplies get there. It could be, at least for, from what I'm saying, you know, a three to five man team in a vehicle, maybe with a trailer. We have to sustain ourselves for you know three days, right, on our own, not be a drain on the on, on the system. You go in and you set up. Okay, well that's that's still quite a bit of gear. That's a good truckload of gear, let alone what's in the trailer. And then you pull out your tents and your tarps and. You know whatever else you got, start setting up. So there's quite a bit to be to be done. You know, so I, I can see FEMA's. You know, the government side of it is okay. They're doing this on a huge level, right? You know, with the stuff I've been training on, it's at a smaller network level. So it's it's it, it's quite a bit. Logistics is is a big piece of everything, and I think something everyone needs to understand is. Um, like the military, it's like people talked about uh, the military going over to fight Ebola. Okay, for every frontline soldier, there's five soldiers behind them supporting them. You know, with vehicles and food and whatever else. 
you know, with the you know the war on Ebola and what was going on over there, it was kind of the same thing as for every doctor and nurse you had five people having to support them. Plus, in that case, the people with the weapons were the security people, and they were the support element. So, there's a lot to consider and a lot to think about of the hows and the whys about a bunch of this. Um, if you have animals, make sure you've got plenty of food for them because FEMA and none of the other agencies are going to give you dog food, cat food, bird food, fish food. There you go. That's not their job. No, they're there to feed people, not animals. Um, here's a funny one. It's, it's kind of something I just, it's a sideline deal that I just kind of thought about was one of your preps, um, just from years of us talking and going over this stuff, is, and again, we're talking about the state of Texas, and the state of Texas with a hunting license, um, you can hunt pigs unlimited. As many pigs as you want, day, night, lasers, lights, whatever. And really, I really don't care what your politics are on that. It's a, it's a, it's a feral animal. It's a problem here in Texas. They tear up a lot of property. You are a serious pig hunter. <laughs> and I think that is awesome. You know, uh, you're a woman, but you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a deer hunter because I have a deer license, but I love to hunt pigs because there's no limit. There's no tags. There's no right. nothing. Um, it's, it's, it's free meat. It's free meat and, for me, there's way more adrenaline involved in hunting pigs. But yeah. I, I do hunt pigs different than you hunt them, but... Yeah, that, well, there, there's another one. I mean, just, you know, you know, just so we get off into this a little bit. Um, I hunt pigs. I just... I'll either set up traps and trap them, um, or I'll just still hunt them, and I'll just sit in a stand and hunt them or bait them in and shoot pigs. I see a lot of deer, and that's fine. Um... And because you are the Amazon prepper, um, tell us how you hunt pigs. I run snares, and when I, I go out and I check my snares, if there's a hog in there, I hop on top of them and I cut their throat or stab them in the heart. Just kind of hold them down till they die. Yeah, it doesn't take very long. Yeah. And this is why you're the Amazon. I'm also not wasting ammo. <laughs> <laughs> and this is kind of a crack up. I mean, I, I had said that, you know, I had trapped hogs and I'm just going to, if I'm going to process them, I'll go ahead and just shoot them in the head right there with a 22 or something and drag them out. And, you know, and she kind of picked on me, told me I was kind of a wuss, that I needed to kind of drag them out and stab them, save ammo. So, uh, it's kind of funny. So that's that's the Amazon prepper people. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna see a lot more interviews with uh, with Amazon. Um, in closing, is there anything you think we missed? Anything you know? I mean, and for you people that are listening to the podcast, I mean, when this podcast goes up, please go to Bob's site and post questions on the you know the, the podcast of of the week and uh, tell us you know things that you want to know. Um, I'm going to get Amazon on, on the, on the forum 
and I'm going to get her very interactive with answering questions since she is one of our new uh, resident experts. But uh, is there anything that you can think of that we've missed? Is just kind of what you can think of off the top of your head? Um, no, not really. I mean, just, you know, try and be prepared and have what you know that you and your family's going to need and have extra medical and hygiene things. Because there's nothing that makes you feel better than washing your clothes in a sink when you haven't had clean clothes on for two weeks. Yep. And here, here's a funny one. I'll throw this one up there because I know this is this is one of uh, Amazon's jabs. Is um, she is the Amazon, so therefore um, the only thing that really pisses Amazon off is being told she can't do something. <laughs> um, we had a project here recently. Um, there was a down tree on the property, and uh, she had to split more wood than I did. So we've been in a wood splitting competition, and we are so happy that Dave came, Super Dave came, and took the wood splitter to do some stuff on his property because we needed a week off because <laughs> we split an entire oak tree and got a quarter wood out of it. More, and it, yeah, we yeah, more than that. <laughs> yeah, in about in a, in about three days, in about three or four days, we got we we split over a quarter wood. So it was it was it was a butt whooping. So, well, that's that's going to close this out. Um, we're going to ask everybody here to, uh, please go to Bob's Amazon site, um, go, go to the, go to the page, click on his Amazon, um, you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be after Christmas, but if you're going to buy something on Amazon, kind of give Bob three or four seconds to kind of go the long way, and go through Bob's Amazon site, it'll log, probably log you into your own, and, uh, just go, go that way, it gives Bob a little bit of commission, helps Bob out. Um, we're going to continue to help Bob out with these podcasts as, as we've always done. Um, we support Bob. We don't get anything for this except our time. We appreciate everything that Bob has done uh, for the community and to help us. So this is just kind of a way for us to give back to Bob. And um, with Bob being down and all of his uh, hospital stuff going on, um, we just uh, hope to support Bob. And we'd like you to help us help him. So, uh, again, uh, Bob, God bless you. Um, we're here to support you, bud. And there you have it. Uh, we appreciate everything you do for us, Bob. And Amazon, thank you for coming out. Sure. All right. And y'all have a good day. Bye-bye. Well, many thanks to both of them for their time. Have you noticed something? When that interview started, did you notice that basically she said that she pretty much started with the basics? That's where everything starts. It all starts with the basics. I don't care what you want to do. If you want to become more self-reliant, if you want to learn a sport, if you want to learn a talent, if you want to learn an art, if you want to do a project, whatever it is, got to start from the basics, don't you? So I thought that was interesting to point that out, and I don't know if you noticed that, but I did. Now, another point that I caught in there, Joe and Amazon Prepper were talking about the fact that you know what, when the disaster's over, when the cleanup is done, when everything is sort of starting to get back to normal, you still have to live with your neighbor. See, and I've talked a lot on this podcast, you know, in, in past episodes about relationship building, which I think is very important. That's, again, that's something you don't hear a whole lot discussed in survival and preparedness 
shows and you don't hear it you don't see it on on forums much and everything but relationship building you got to have a relationship building with your or a relationship with your community and your neighbors you might not like them man i tell you what i you know i've lived around plenty of neighbors i don't like but you still have to deal with them so when i say relationship i'm not saying it has to be this nice warm cozy wonderful relationship that is great all the time no But you have to have some kind of relationship. And if you can find even one piece of common ground where you two agree that, hey, this could be an issue in in our neighborhood here if a disaster strikes. One thing. It's all it takes is one thing. That develops a bond. And maybe you can continue on with that bond after the disaster is all over. So think about that. Those are two two points that I I wanted to point out there that were in the interview. Two that jumped out to me. That kind of got my attention. I thought, hmm, they got to talk about that in the conclusion. Speaking of the show, I'm going to go ahead and bring this show to a close. Don't forget about our forum. The activity in our forum has kind of died down a little bit, and I'm sorry to see that. I have not been on there much lately just because of everything I'm going through. I really would like to extend the invitation to you to join today's Survival Show Forum. It's pretty much only listeners that are on that forum. Why is that? Well... Because you have to do something to join the forum. And the only way that you're going to know what to do is by listening to this show. So that's that's good and that's bad. The good thing is, is you've got pretty much only listeners that are on that forum. So you guys can discuss these podcasts and things like that. And it, the bad news, it's a little bit of a small group. But actually, small group could be a benefit because it doesn't get out of control. Here's what you have to do. You have to send me an email. My email address is bob at todayssurvival.com. There are two S's in that web that email address, bob at todayssurvival.com. You gotta send me an email and say, Bob, I just signed up for your forum. I used username XYZ, whatever it is. Uh, please approve my account. And so if you if you email me and tell me that you signed up and tell me what your username was or is, within, within less than 24 hours, I will approve your account, and you can start posting right away. If you don't know how to get to the forum, go to todayssurvival.com. That's www.todayssurvival.com, and click the forum page. It'll get you to where you need to go to get signed up. I put a thread, I put up a sub-forum, or there's a sub-forum there that says comments about the podcasts, and I start a thread in that sub-forum for every single show that I do. And if you like the work I do here at todayssurvival.com, you notice this is commercial-free. I don't have a bunch of sponsors wasting your time. This show is entirely supported by generous listeners like you. One way you can do it without spending any extra money is whenever you make an Amazon purchase, please use my Amazon store. Maybe you got some Christmas money that you want to spend on Amazon. Go to todayssurvival.com, click the Amazon store, and then click the link. That's all you got to do. Just do those three things. And then shop on my link, and it'll support the show. I'll get some little uh, commission. Anything you buy on Amazon, I'll get a little bit of a commission for, and I'd very much appreciate that. Uh, More info's coming up, so probably in a week to ten days or so, I will have another podcast put up. But in the meantime, thank you very much for listening to episode number 254 of today's Survival Show. I'm Bob Main. I'm your host. Many thanks again to Joe and Amazon Prepper. Do what you can with what you have, wherever you are, and I'll catch you next time. Goodbye.